art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Emerald City Video, this is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. I'm Russ Berlingame, and with me today are Logan Brettschneider. Hello. And Dan Fecto. You. And uh, yeah, we're, we're doing a little bit of a throwback thing, not just because it's been a while since Dan and Logan were on the show, but also because we are talking about Invader Zim. Uh Specifically, Enter the Florpus, the Invader Zim movie that just hit Netflix. <laughs> uh, and uh, what's funny is I very distinctly remember Invader Zim being one of those things that we watched all the time at the video store that we weren't probably really supposed to because they, they didn't love the idea of TV. Uh, but uh, but it was great background noise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I that's I, I kind of felt I kind of feel like and maybe it's because we did that so often, but I, I feel like that was one of the problems I had with the movie is that it just sometimes my brain wanted to just turn off and just let it be background. <laughs> uh, uh, I do, by the way, uh, I, I was just when before we started recording, uh, we were shooting the shit and I was showing them all the random crap that I have, like in and around my desk area. Uh, I just cleaned part of my office uh, and found a Zim pin oh, t- <laughs> like today. So, uh, I can't remember. I, I feel like I must have gotten this at Hot Topic, like probably a minimum of eight years ago. Uh, but uh, so, guys, why don't we start with what? What was your general kind of impression of the movie? Dan, you want to go first? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was. I, it's kind of. I have to say, it's a bit of a relief to hear you say that your brain kind of tuned out a little bit because I've I've known you two to be a much larger fan of the series than me. Whereas, like you mentioned, most of my experience with it has been like sort of secondhand as like the thing that you two are always putting on in the store. <laughs> yes. And now it sounds like I have a, more of a negative opinion than I do. Uh, it's it's just one of those things that I was, you know, I've approved of. If I'll yeah. Say. yeah. Um, I have nothing against it. It just never really resume, resonated with me like it did with like sort of a lot of a lot of us like avid TV fans at the time. Mm-hmm. And it really is sort of something that looks like it would be my thing. And so a lot of people were always sort of pushing it towards me as like, yeah. a, hey, if you want, you would totally love this. And I kind of, ha, 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 but I don't. <laughs> uh, and so I went into this trying to, you know, put that aside and, you know, like, let me experience, like, because we've seen a lot of these, like, Rocco's yeah. Modern Life just got a whole yep. new yep. feature. Like, it seems like we're on a kick of trying to dredge up some stuff and show it I, to people. I know Nicktoon signed a deal and originally they were going to do these as direct to TV movies on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And then I think because of the CBS Viacom merger, something changed and suddenly they're all going to Netflix. Uh, I think there's at least one more. I can't remember what I think wild thornberries. Mm. Um, but I did, I had that experience where like a couple times through the, through the movie, I find myself like wanting to like, Oh, I should get up and, you know, let me. This is a really good time to just get a coffee or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. as I'm waiting, like, to see, like, well, it's called the Enter the Florpus. Like, what is that? Where is it? Why yeah. have I? Why are we halfway through this film and I haven't seen whatever that is yet? Yeah. Um, kind of had me wandering off both mentally and physically. Yep. But, um, the animation quality was fantastic. Like, it oh, looked yeah. great. Uh, and I I noticed a lot of little um like animation nudges and um oh what's his name they had the guy from rick and morty i want to say his name's john or justin Justin roiland yeah doing the voice of uh foodbot 2000 yeah oh Uh, wow i didn't catch that yeah like so there was a lot of like poking at like Mm -hmm. hey we we haven't just been asleep for the last decade um that i really appreciated what uh, I will say, a fun Justin Roiland story and incredibly short, but kind of interesting. Uh, this year when I was at San Diego, uh, on the way out of the hotel one day, somebody saw my like Comic-Con badge and was like, oh, you're at the co- you're at the convention. I was like, yeah, I'm a reporter. I cover this stuff. I go and interview people. And she's just like, oh, have you ever met Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty? And I was just like, that's kind of a weird question, like mostly just because people think of Dan Harmon first. Yeah. And – and so I was like, yeah, once or twice, like, he's a nice guy. I don't really know him. And she, oh, that's my son. 
And what? I'm just like, yeah. Just <laughs> one of those, like, hi, okay. And apparently, like, he brought her up on stage during one of his panels at Comic-Con that year because there was, like, some gag he was doing. And uh, used it to basically have an excuse to bring his parents out for the week and, and spend some time with them. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was the most random, like, lady just being, like, and I think it was she felt safe because she because I said I was a reporter and so I'm not gonna be like some crazy fan. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was just one of those like, oh no, that's my kid. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is. Uh, uh, yeah. What, uh, what was your take on? Uh, I largely the same as both of yours. I, I mean, it, not to like I don't really have a negative opinion of it, I but I, I by the end of it I look was very much left with what was the point it was enjoyable but i found myself kind of distracted and wandering around i actually ended up breaking this up into kind of two viewings i watched roughly half of it and then waited a couple of days and watched the second half i mean everything that dan said i i agree with i definitely want to watch the series again because it makes me like, am I just looking at this nostalgically, or what did I really like about it when it was originally on TV? And the thing I've landed on, and I don't even know if this is right, it had so many little tiny catchphrases or yeah. moments that I was like, that's really, not necessarily funny, but it was just really cool. And because mm. of a movie version, you can't really do that. You have to yeah. do the setup do the conflict and then the resolution and it's just like yeah that was missing like yeah. the lines i remember most are like oh my bees yeah <laughs> um or ride the pig gur and it's just there weren't any moments like that for me yeah i think i have actually watched uh not a bunch of it lately but i've rewatched a few episodes of the show because i i found on voodoo they had like a, a deep discount sale a while back where you could buy the entire series digitally for like 10 bucks uh, and so I like was popping it on to fall asleep to at night for a few days. And one of the things that I think is that part of what made it really appealing at the time is how like strange and surreal it was. And it had this sensibility where it was just like, I'm going to just like say crazy shit. And it doesn't even mean anything necessarily, but it's funny to just hear the phrase. And there's two things about it. First of all, now that we have like Rick and Morty and things like that, like we've seen that level up to the next place already. And so it's not like, it doesn't feel as strange anymore. It doesn't feel so like out of left field. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think kind of in a, even more than that is as a, uh, as a culture, like we have the internet now, and you constantly have like people trying to be funny by sh- like shouting random shit at you. Like Twitter is full of people trying to be zen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like the the like this was a scarce resource at the time. Like it was this cool thing that you were like, how the fuck did this get on TV? Well, and, in particular, and on that point, and I think one of the reasons that it resonated so much was not only how did this get on TV, but how did this get on TV? On Nickelodeon, yeah. considering the creator and writer of the show, his big claim to fame was Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he has stories of fans of Zim coming up to him saying, oh, you know, I just bought the your <laughs> other work, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, and they're like 10. And he's like, yeah. uh, d- don't, don't read that. Please yeah. don't read that. He had a real problem with it, actually. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, he's he's an odd he's an odd dude, and I don't mean that in, in a bad way. I just mean he's not the personality you expect from being the, like the creator of this show. Uh, he and he he can be. I remember when I was at Wizard, uh, we had to interview him one year uh, for our like year end issue, and they had me email him to get like a general like what's your two, your year two thousand like whatever look like. And the email I got back from him is still, to this day, the strangest one I've ever received because it was just a series of totally random words. And if you start, <laughs> like, making – if like, I used to give this – I would tell this story and I would, like, try to give an example. Be like, oh, it's stapler, magnet, Frito, like, dog. But 
when you start just saying random words in a sequence, very quickly, your brain tries to make sense of it. Like, you will find yourself inevitably saying, like, can, box, soda, you know? Like, things that are directly connected to one another. And there was none of that, as far as I could tell, in this, like, 500-word email. And so, like, it was the strangest email I ever got because, like, when I looked at it and really thought about it, I'm like, how much time did he spend? And I'm sure that, like, I wasn't the only reporter he ever sent this to. I'm sure this was the, like, I don't like your outlet. I'm not going to do an interview. Here's garbage. And he just copied and pasted it. (laughs) But, like, the first time, like, how the... You're just looking at this, like, how did a human brain put this yeah, together? Exactly, Some exactly. uncanny valley response. Yeah. And so so he certainly there there is an element of that in his personality. But yeah, he when you see him in interviews, when you see him on Twitter, 90 percent of his life is like he's like a fairly regular dude who works in animation. I almost think uh, that that sometimes he would have been happier, like working as one of the five guys doing stuff on somebody else's show that was a hit and that had his sensibilities. Like I, I kind of get the impression that his least favorite part of what he does is being a cultural figure that people obsess on and want to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but and in some way I'm sure people would expect him to be like, Oh, he's got to be slightly antagonistic yeah, exactly. and kind of irreverent, like yeah. or else like he's not the person that you would expect and yeah exactly i wonder how much of that sort of you know you feel that pressure yeah um one thing i will say about uh dan you were saying you were we're you know half an hour into this and you haven't seen the florpus yet yeah yeah Uh, Yeah. i didn't even like that didn't bother me and um it's for kind of an odd reason uh because of the way that like the movie starts and there's this framing sequence where dib is in like anime uh, style and he's like a it's it's like vampire hunter d almost because he's like big and muscular it's not like the kind of anime style that you think of when i say anime style in a lot of for a lot of people um but uh in that sequence they very much talk about the two of them like having like their arch rivalry and and how they're gonna like have to battle each other to the death or whatever. And so immediately in my head, I was like, oh, so this is like an enter the dragon joke. Like it's a, that this is a, that this is a, a, you know, the, the joke here is that it's a fighting movie, uh, which was not the case, obviously, because there actually was a Florpus that eventually showed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I had the opposite experience. I did not spend oh, even okay. a minute thinking like oh i didn't see the florpus yet because like in my head i was like oh no enter the florpus is just like enter the dragon like probably because he has he's from space there's weird names for shit like that it's like a dragon type that makes sense yeah well that was and that was the other thought i had in the back of my head was mm-hmm. wondering if like i'm i'm like uh scratching through my vague knowledge of the show trying to remember like was florpus something that was mentioned would i be ridiculed for like <laughs> oh dan yeah. doesn't know what the florpus was well, it, is, it is distinctly possible that that yes. was used because that's the kind of word that uh this show loved to use yep, yep. but yep. uh it, it as far as i can recall uh and again i've seen it a bunch uh was never a plot point no but what i did love uh, that uh, people who are just kind of tangentially aware of the show may not know is the pay- the mini moose payoff because he literally only shows up in the regular show for like at the Christmas episode and they make a joke about how he's been there the entire time. Yes. And it turns out that he was the big uh, MacGuffin, the MacGuffin in the entire uh, episode or movie, I guess, yeah. uh, which, which I did love. No, I like that. And I, there were there. I mean, that's the thing is like this. This wasn't. I think part of it is because we loved it in college. So you yeah. want to like you want to jump right in and be like, oh, yeah, it's fucking great. Um, and it wasn't fucking great. It was a good no. it was a fun kind of dumb way to, to spend an hour and 10 minutes. Um, certainly, if you liked Invader Zim, I don't think you'll dislike the movie. But uh, it's uh, one of the things about it is that my favorite stuff tended to be when they did something that felt like the old show, but was a little bit new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, there's, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I mean, one of the, the favorite thing I had with that movie was it was going back into that world because that world was so nuanced and rich Yeah. because they had two, like 
two seasons and a half maybe to build it and so it was nice to see that world again mm-hmm. and i you know i had a little easter eggs of oh this person oh yeah this person yeah and then it's like eh, it was cool to step my toe back in but it didn't feel like invaders in me yeah and i think part of it um <clears throat> for me uh you know what flanderization is mm, no no <laughs> uh it's it's like a weird pop culture term that somebody invented on the internet. Um, flanderization is basically when a character over time uh, that used to be like a fairly well-rounded kind of interesting character over time essentially becomes a self-parody and is defined exclusively by one characteristic. And it's named after Ned Flanders because it's like Ned Flanders had other stuff but besides just being the god guy for a while and then suddenly he didn't and uh i kind of felt like there was some flanderization especially of uh membrane in this one because like i remember in the series that he was kind of dismissive of dib and his crazy conspiracy theories and stuff but i don't remember him ever like being kind of actively shitty to his kid in the way that he was in chunks of this movie Mm -hmm. uh where it's like there was a big piece of the movie where like in the same way that the tallest were very uh, like as soon as Zim would turn his back, they would be really shitty about him, which is like totally in character. It's a thing that's been going on since the pilot. Uh, but the, the parallels they were drawing between the tallest and membrane almost demanded that they make membrane a shittier person in this movie than he ever was, or at least than I ever remember him being. He was like a non-factor in the show. Yeah, I mean, he showed up. But. The thing I remember the most about him, like, I do remember him being dismissive of it, but it was always like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't so much be like, you have to stop this now because this is crazy. It would be more like Dib would tell him some insane thing, and he would be like, that's great, son. Because yeah, yeah, he yeah. Any attention whatsoever, uh, and and I I liked the payoff of it in this one because they they like. It wasn't just a thing that they did once or twice. It was a through line that they paid off at the end. Right. And I really did like that. And I think that narratively it's interesting that they finally hit on something with the parallel between uh, Membrane and the tallest and the fact that you've got these two characters at the center of your show who are butting heads who in a lot of ways are are basically the same guy. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think that that actually – from a storytelling point of view, this this is this might be one of the smarter installments of Zim that you'll ever see because like there's themes, and a lot of the time those were largely absent in favor of gags. Mm-hmm. But uh, but because of that, kind of like Logan said, like it felt like it feels like it feels like one of the only press comics that they're making. Like they've been making Zim comics for mm-hmm. about four years now, and they're all funny, but they don't feel like Zim. You know, or they feel like a copy of a copy. It's obviously fan fiction with an official kind of imprimatur. And so that's kind of how this felt, too. Like, it felt like you could just pick a story from the comics and make it into a movie. And then it would be basically the same level of, yes, it's Zim that Enter the Florbus was. Right. Mm. I also kind of feel like... Um, <clears throat> They had this notion that, like, you had to, because it was a movie, it felt like we had to have the ultimate expression of, like, Zim versus Dib. And so they tried to make it big, um, which mostly worked, but it was really transparently trying to make it big. And it, I think that the movie, the movie might have been a little bit better if they had embraced a little bit of meta humor where they acknowledged they were doing that because it was so obvious what they were doing that it felt kind of weird at times. Well, and yes, uh, it, it did. I completely agree with you. I actually wanted to ask Tan a question because you mentioned how this is one of those things that people have always kind of foisted upon you because it's like, Oh, this is your thing. Mm -hmm. And you were like, eh, not really. Um, I was just curious, what is it about this thing that it doesn't hit that "quote unquote" itch, or like, eh, I mean, it's fine. Like, you, you don't you don't hate it by any means. I just no, was curious. No. Um, it's it's just the timing of the humor and the, hmm, I don't know how to say, it. just the 
overexertion of the like, and here's a silly word and a silly gag mm. kind mm. of a, a humor doesn't really grab me too much. Um, oh, that's fair. But um, I think despite that, uh, like when I was watching this, like the it's really the animation quality, the quality of the backgrounds that like really grabbed me. Like, mm. well, I may have been kind of tuning out on some of the story and the jokes. Like I was heavily invested in just the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation, the way that it flowed, uh, was all fantastic. So, like, I, I, I really hate that it kind of sounds like I'm bashing on, <laughs> like, this film and sort of largely, like, the Zim property, when it's just something that, like, I wouldn't... It, it's not bad, it's just never... Uh, right, it's not your thing. me in like it has yeah. a lot of right. you guys. No, I mean, that's cool. I, there's it, a lot it, of things like that. I mean, I... I Doing the podcast, obviously, <clears throat> I've done something like 150 more episodes than you guys or some insane thing. <laughs> um, and one of the things when you're like talking about movies all the time is there you really have to be able to just kind of compartmentalize the like, it's good, it's just not for me thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's and yeah, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, Dan, of like, oh, how do you possibly hit this thing? Like, I'm well past the point of like, what, you don't like my thing? Well, how dare you? Like, no, that's completely cool. Well, that's. What I mean to say, though, is that, like, overall, I still think it was pretty good. Like, right. Yeah. And, yeah, as, speaking as someone who is like, I'm not really into Zim, like, I still had fun watching it just because, again, like, the quality of the animation and the, the drawing was, yeah. like, fantastic. It's one of the one of the more, like, eye candy-ish things I've watched in a while. So mm-hmm. I would still recommend it. And I would assume that, like, if you're if you are a fan of Zim, like, this would be a much higher review for you. Whereas yeah. I, I, I feel like it was like that was despite that, it was still worth a watch just yeah. for and especially it, like sort of the crescendo of it, like seeing all those different styles and sight gags yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. Providing it once was like was just really visually impressive yeah. and a fun yeah. ride. I, I also will say that I think. I, I again, I, I agree that like it's good, like we're focusing on the flaws because that gives us something to talk about. But yeah. um. I think that one of the things about it is that the the vocal performers, like if the writers oh. have missed, have kind of lost a step a little bit, and the writing has lost a step in terms of no longer being edgy, uh, then the the performers are still on brand, like they're yeah. still exactly where they need to be. Yeah, actually, that's really funny that you brought that up. I and this is the mo- like I fully recognize this is the stupidest thing to complain about. <laughs> I really miss the absence of the original purple tallest, which was, yeah. uh, and I can't remember his name. Um, I want to say McDonald, but uh, Mc, I think it's Mark McKinney, right? No. Or no, the, Norm McDonald? No. no. It's, it's one of the guys from uh, Kids in the Hall. I Kids think his name is hall. Kevin. Kevin something. Um, but Hold on, because I'm. I, I, I really missed his voice, and it kind of took me out of the scenes with the tallest, which is, I, get, I admit, is stupid. It is utterly stupid because the voice actor did a really good job of trying to mimic his voice. Yeah. It was just one of those things like, they got everybody else, everybody else. That sucks. Yeah, and I, I will say there were there were things, like as somebody who did watch the show and who liked it, there were certain things that I would have loved to see. Yeah. Uh, that they didn't bring in, uh, like, uh, there was a, a quick shot during the exposition dump at the beginning of, uh, um, you know who wasn't in it? Yeah, I was just gonna say, Miss Bitter Earth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Kevin, Kevin McDonald. Yes, Kevin McDonald, yeah. I, I missed him, uh, as the voice of the, of the Purple Tallest. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's funny because I can't remember who was the voice of the Purple Tallest in the movie, um, but I felt like it was one of those things where it's like, oh, that's not the right voice. Yes. But it's the, it's in the, it's in the same. Yeah. Uh, oh no. He did a great job. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to diminish his, his performance because he actually, he really did a great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it was just the, one of those things like, oh, the the delivery of everything in in this was fantastic. I was legitimately huh. cracking up in the very beginning when membrane had a that like line about the shark. And his, his delivery of that was great. And it's things like that where, like, getting to see under his gloves yeah, uh, must yeah, have yeah. been, like, a treat for longtime fans of the show and stuff. And I, I kind of wondered, watching it, like, how many of these things are, you know, I, I, I sort of barely recognize that that yeah. must be a moment. 
but how many other things might be happening that are like going over my head like there's tax ship i know that she was sort of like only in one episode and kind of like supposed to be a thing so we're like throwbacks to her extra special Uh, well it's funny because her episode was one of the most popular episodes among a lot of fans mm -hmm. um it wasn't i didn't like her very much for some reason i can't remember what it was about her about that episode that or, or the character that didn't work for me um the ship did show up again in series but it was in one of the episodes that never aired and so like you could only get it by buying a dvd at a certain time yeah um and so, and it was that was the one where dib stole it and so like that element of it where he was like explaining that to his dad that's like oh yeah that was an episode that happened yep um i i just want to insert to say that uh apparently we were all wrong and kevin mcdonald actually is almighty tallest purple in this movie really at his least according voice, to mdb i yeah, was gonna say his voice definitely changed i wow i that i am i stand corrected and sorry because i mean obviously uh imdb can be wrong but it's oh, very yeah. unlikely for it to be wrong after the movie's out um because the the official titles have been released yeah um but yeah, so I wanted to make sure to mention that so that we didn't have a bunch of people correcting us. And you can just know that we're dumb, yes. uh, but that we know we're dumb, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, Own your dumbness. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I have to um, – the part with Membrane where he's announcing his Membrane bracelets to the world, oh, and he yeah. goes, I am scientifically the happiest person. And the guy's like, I am just like – that smash cut of him like not scientifically possible had me dying. I don't know why it was just really funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I always liked him. Like part of the reason that I was, that I was a little off put by the fact that he was like flanderized or whatever in the movie is that I've always thought he delivered some of the funniest stuff on the show. Um, He was kind of a, uh, a less in-your-face version of Zim, because everything he did was very heightened, and he did a lot of mm-hmm. like a lot of the a lot of the joke in his stuff was just like, now I'm going to yell it at you, yeah. uh, and and so like he was always a ton of fun, mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of really great inflection and flair yeah. from, yeah. from yeah. that uh, actor and writing, which yeah. again is a thing that the show has always been pretty good at, like mm-hmm. in general, is that they've always. Uh, the 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 vocal performance part and i assume the direction part is is key to this but like it's always been a show that elevated the material because you you hear like ninnies in the mall trying to replicate those jokes and they can't come close Um, well and it's funny you mentioned the voice direction and the casting because the casting director has a funny story of when she was casting this she just had everybody yell (laughs) like that was that was your audition that sounds about right yeah um and and this is a it's one of those things too that that you can go through the the cast and and there's a handful of people like uh fred tatischior uh is in this uh who is one of those guys who like if you spend any amount of time in western animation you've seen his name come across your screen because he does a million voices in everything and he's not necessarily the main character he's not like peter cullen but it's one of those, like, I saw his name and I'm just like, holy crap, yeah, that's right. He's, like, a person who does a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I made the uh, I made the he's not Peter Cullen thing. And ironically, uh, he isn't Me- Peter Cullen, but he is Metroplex uh, in, <laughs> in Fall of Cybertron, the PS3 game. Um, but, yeah, he's, like, he, I just pulled up his... Uh, uh, IMDb. IMDb. And the reason that I had seen his name recently is because he plays like a bunch of different characters on the DuckTales reboot. Mm. Um, but it's like it's everything. It's like Big Hero 6, Young Justice. He's Deathstroke on Young Justice. Um, Scooby-Doo, American Dad. Like he's one of those dudes. And and there's obviously animation is just chock full of those fucking people. But there's a bunch of them who worked on this show. And I, I feel like they had to really enjoy revisiting this world because it's so different than most of what they get to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that comes through like whenever the talent is happy, it tends to give you that extra five percent. Yeah, there are shows out there that you can just watching it. You, you can tell, oh, the actors or cast really like working on this and this is yeah. invaders M has always felt 
like that. Yeah. I hope it's true. But yeah. Yeah. I, I will say um, the the fact that this feels a little bit like an echo of Zim more than the, one of its mm-hmm. best bits isn't entirely surprising because I remember no. even when I was super into the show thinking that toward the end it felt like it was losing a step. Um, yeah. I remember yeah. being super, super excited to get that last DVD because it had like six episodes that had never aired on TV. And I was like, holy shit, new content. Um, but after about a month, those shows weren't ones that I went back to again because by and large, the new content wasn't anywhere close to the early stuff. No, and there's a great video out there on the web that kind of marks the rise and fall of, of Zim. And it, it was one of those shows that was both ahead of its time and the creator. I mean, honestly, the story is a lot like Rick and Morty, except Rick yeah. and Morty hit at a time where it's like, nope, people are ready for this. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's it's worth a watch if you're a fan <laughs> of Zim or just kind of want to figure out what happened to it. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, Zach and I have been doing like out of five ratings just to contextualize stuff. So that mm-hmm. if we're bagging on something all episode, it doesn't come off as being for me. It'd be like a three star movie like it's the kind of thing where it's like yeah watch it especially if you're actively interested in watching it uh but i I wouldn't it's not something that i'm probably going to bring anybody and be like no you got to sit down and watch this with me uh but if you're if you think it's something you dig then absolutely give it a try it's not bad no i would i would agree that it's probably a three um and higher if you're if you're sort of ahead for modern animation and what's going on mm-hmm. that'll that could pick up a few points just because i there are like you you mentioned there's a lot of talent if you if you have that knowledge of sort of what's mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes uh some of these animation style swaps and things like yeah. that that happen throughout the show will probably mean a lot more to you and be more <laughs> rewarding so um for for again like for 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 people like me and just maybe the average person yeah i think a three is really good but it does have potential for like a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah and same thing like a solid three uh you know 2.5 between three uh, very middle of the road mm-hmm. i, I love stepping back into that world uh the it was great seeing the characters and the voice cast it just it had a couple missteps in terms of just like uh the, the episodic thing i think zim was just one of those shows that really benefited from that yeah, and it, it, it you lose that in a movie, but I enjoyed the movie a lot. Like I yeah. would definitely recommend if you're a fan of Zim or like Dan said, animation in general, it's worth a watch. Especially if you're just scrolling through Netflix looking for something to watch, I would definitely say yeah. If you know if you like that style or if you're mm-hmm. a fan of Ren and Stimpy, because Zim has yeah. always had that connection of yeah. you know it's this style of animation, this kind of non sequitur stuff. It, it still holds true. Like you still mm-hmm. watch it with that feeling like. If you are not an Invader Sim fan or don't know anything about it, you will walk away saying, "What did I just watch?" Yeah, yeah, I do. Which, that's that's part of it too. I think that the like the outrageousness that I talked yes. about that it feels like it's missing. Um, I do think if you're just on Netflix and you see this and you're like, "Oh, this kind of looks kind of weird. Let me stick it on." Um, it may blow you away. It might be the kind of thing where like that outrageousness is is still there if you don't know what you're getting into. Although I do think that there are elements of it that wouldn't work nearly as well uh, if you hadn't seen the show before. Like, I, I think that oh, yeah. the entire plot relies on the fact that you understand, like, the rivalry between Zim and Dib. And I don't know that they built it up especially well in the movie. And I don't know that you need that. I don't know that there's actually expositions needed for, like, here's two characters that hate each other. Go. Um but to me, like, it's a lot richer if you know that it wasn't – it was never – like, one of the things they do in this movie is they talk about, like, it being a feud between the two of them and talk about Dib trying to save the world. Uh, for me, it was always more, like, he's this crazy conspiracy, conspiracy theorist that nobody believes, and, like, he has evidence directly in front of him. And so it's it's, like, it was more of, like, he was chasing the, the Roadrunner. And not so much that he wanted to be recognized as the hero of the world, which is kind of how it felt in the movie. Yep. Uh, I actually, and I don't know this, 
all the Nickelodeon movies that are being like, like mm-hmm. you said, um, this Rock and Life. Did they actually bring the shows on Netflix? Because if they didn't, that's a huge misstep. I'm not sure. I think I remember seeing that Rocco's Modern Life was on Netflix, but I don't think that Netflix, like that wasn't part of the deal as far as I know. So if they were already on Netflix, which in some cases they probably were, then like that would would think would be a thing. Uh, but I'm just yeah, I, right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the same. Uh, right now, at first glance, it does not look like the Invader Zim series is on Netflix. It looks like it's just the movie. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm 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 not sure uh, if Invader Zim is streaming anywhere. Uh, and I, I like I said, I, it, it's usually really cheap to find. So yeah. if you were super interested in it, you could. It does look like it streams at Hulu for free. Ah, so okay. Hulu subscription you can watch. But yeah, that's a solid point. Is You're the movie on uh, Hulu? No, it's on. It's only on Netflix exclusive. <laughs> Of course. Um, so yeah, so you're doing like Netflix is bringing things back that have been gone in the case of Zim for 13 years, and uh, they uh, they are not making it available to like go back and pick up the uh, pick up the old ones. Um, I wonder. I didn't think to look if it did. Is Frank Conniff involved with this one? Because Frank uh, TV's Frank from MST3K. Uh, used to be a writer on the series, and oh. uh, it's one of those things where I'm just like, "There's." I'm mostly just curious because Netflix has brought back MST3K yeah. recently, and so there's there's kind of a weird like if he's involved in the movie, that's a an odd kind of coincidence to have. Uh, but but uh, all oh, right, yes. That's uh, just bizarre. That like, why would you not do that? I, again, I think I. It's I think rights. It was, uh, I mean, it's got to be rights. I mean, it is rights. But the other thing is that it's it's one of those things where uh, Nickelodeon suddenly didn't want these. Right. And so it was like they were doing TV movies, and then all of a sudden it was like, no, but we don't want TV movies, so get rid of them. But they're already done, and we got to make some money on them. So figure out how. Um. I'm surprised they didn't go to Hulu, although maybe that's – maybe it's literally just a bidding process. Um, But, yeah, it's a – also, I should note, apparently the – apparently Zim's parents uh, are only – so, first of all, as far as I can tell, Frank Conniff is not involved with this, which is – Unfortunate only because it would have been an interesting piece of trivia. Uh, but apparently uh, Zim's robo-parents are from Archived Sound. Uh, they <laughs> didn't. They did not bring Mo Collins and Michael McDonald back to record the handful of lines they had. They just used existing like sound entities from mm. the show. Um, which I guess makes sense because I think all that they said was like the things that you saw them see, saw them say in the Parents' Night episode in the first season. Uh, but. Just an odd thing that, again, as I'm going through the the credits on IMDb, I noticed. Um, Now, because this has been a fairly short conversation, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you guys before we went. uh, We talked a little bit about the fact that, like, Invader Zim technically was not a thing we were really supposed to be watching in the sense that, like, it had a pretty limited audience. We only had a couple of copies, and it's a TV show. None of these things really fit into the guidelines for what you're supposed to be watching, especially during prime times of the the store. Yeah. what were some of your favorite things that you watched, like, just a fucking bunch of times that you knew technically we weren't supposed to, but nobody cared enough to stop you? Uh, for me, I played You Got Served over and over <laughs> and over. I don't know why. I just loved it. It was, like, my guilty pleasure of, like, look around the store. Nobody's here. Not doing anything. All right. Time for You Got Served. Oh, Nice. Very nice. Actually, a lot of those dance movies, uh, Bring It On, stuff like that. I that love whole, Bring It On. Yeah, that, that, that cracks because like some of the stuff that I used to put on all the time when nobody was around were like music and concert videos. Mm. Like I, th- we had a uh, we had a, v- a DVD of um, Pearl Jam. Nice. It was like a three hour concert, and I'm just like, well, I can just not watch some crappy new release for three hours if i pop this on and it's just 
background music. Uh, but nice. uh, so so that the, that tracks with your uh, with your musical movies because it's just like there's a sense of energy to it. I mm-hmm. think like because music is always front and center instead of being like buried. Um, it's got some energy. Uh, how about you, Logan? Can you think of anything? I yeah. I, for some reason, and I still don't know why. I would almost always put in about a boy during like a midweek shift, like a mid morning yeah. shift. I don't know why. I, I think honestly because it was really just close to the counter, and I'm like, oh, I know Thanks. if it's the PG thirteen <laughs> or under requirement. Yoink. Um, I did once put in. I think the Adventures of Pluto Na- Nash, but the problem was we had the unrated version, yeah. so I put it in thinking, okay, this is going to be great, and then realized like, oh shit, yeah, that was a bad one to pick. Um, uh, that's kind of funny. I, I wouldn't have thought about that as uh, as like something that could have potentially caused trouble, but I guess it makes sense because it's Eddie Murphy, and so when he's riffing and not actually, uh, yeah, you know. The stuff that was never going to be in the theatrical cut is probably fairly blue. I know um, I put in Clerks and Empire Records in like every like it was a blue moon like a day I knew the bosses weren't going to come in and it was a morning shift because mm-hmm. we only got yeah uh, customers that that really didn't care what was on they they would go straight to the adult room usually yeah. um, or returns so th- there was nothing the objectable. Occasional odd college kid who was coming for something for class, but those aren't going to give a shit about no. Clerks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Empire Records and Clerks both just to be like, yep, I work in the yeah. portrayal of there. Like, that's all that was. Yeah. Um, did um, I have another guilty? I'm sure I did, but honestly, after a while, it just became like, what's close? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I did. I, um, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I remember a lot of. Um, like hour dramas, hour long dramas, because mm-hmm. it was like, they're never going to be foul because they're on basic fucking cable or they're on the networks. And, uh, I wouldn't have to change the DVD for like almost a whole shift. So I remember like watching mm-hmm. discs, especially during the day, like you said, day side shifts where it's like, no, I'm just trying to get stuff done. I'm trying to like hustle as fast as I can to like make things ready for the night. It's like, yeah, I'll just put on Monk, and I'll just there'll be like six episodes on a disc, and you're watching five and a half hours of one thing without having to think about it. Yep. Are you uh, going to say, I, Dan? I did sneak into, and this was, I don't know if I would call this a guilty pleasure, but more in the in, in like the forbidden fruit category <laughs> yeah. of uh, I I would put in like foreign language dramas from, oh, yeah. from the room yeah. uh, that like I know Jay and them didn't really like weren't huge fans of us watching just because yeah. like customers walking through like can't read the subtitles they don't know what yeah. the hell that is yep and yeah. so it, they're like non sellers so to speak but for me who's there all day like. I can kind of, you know, play grab ass and just watch yeah. the TV and like get through this like really interesting like Tampopo or Hero yeah. or like other films that it's like it doesn't matter if they're swearing or doing things because it's all subtitled. Like I can yeah. watch these like more heavily rated foreign language films because it's all subtitled anyway. Yeah. Actually, Russ, um, going off that question is for both of you is there a movie to this day that you have not legitimately sat down and watched but watched it at the at the store so really all you have are bits and pieces but it's enough so you yeah i got this movie so you never will watch it there's a few and it's funny because i actually i can't think of most of them but i do know that i uh i mentioned i like i talked about that fairly recently like there was some movie that came up in conversation, maybe even on the podcast, where I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a movie that I've seen 200 times, but always only at the video store." Actually, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious was like that because I wasn't a big fan of the first Fast and Furious movie, and so when the second one came out, it was a great like because it was PG-13 and it was uh, action, and we had 30 copies, and so it's perfect to put in. Um, but I don't think that I ever uh like for a minute have sat down and watched it myself at home uh, i'm not a hundred percent sure that i've ever sat down and watched 13 going on 30 like on purpose uh oh yeah but put it on in the store well i mean that one we've talked about like in the first episode of the podcast i think we talked about the fact that like that was uh that was constant 
because again it was pg it was cutesy like it was right next to the counter because it was starting with a number yep and it's we had a bunch of copies hmm. um I, I have two, and they, they're both Matthew McConaughey movies. <laughs> one, and I don't know why, because he's a fine guy. Like, I, I like his right, movies. Yeah. But one is Sahara. Yeah. I, I've never actually watched the movie. I've just ever, like, even on basic cable, like, I'll watch it for a little bit and then just walk away. And the other one is he had a movie with um, Kate Hudson, not the How to Lose a Guy in 10 days, but the other one, the one where they're like scuba divers and looking for gold. I, I want to oh, say yeah. it, I want to say it's fool's gold, but I don't think so. I I, I can't even remember the name, but the that was island. another one. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not it. That's I know it. it's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those two, like I still haven't seen to this it, day. And it, it's uh, called fool's gold, by the way. Fool's it is. Gold. Yeah. yeah with, and it has Kevin Hart in it. I didn't know. I've never watched it. And I think that one, uh, actually, I'm looking. It says 2008. So yeah, at that point, I wasn't living in the area anymore, uh, and I wasn't working at video stores uh, when I was in New York. So it just totally flew under my radar because uh, by the time I came back, and I actually did work at a video store for a while in like late 2009, but it was a movie gallery where we had a trailer reel. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I've never seen any like i'm i don't even know if i've seen the trailer for this because i'm like looking at the thumbnail on youtube and as it like floats by in an animated form i'm like i don't remember seeing any of these images before um dan what about you oh um there's there there are too many to describe (laughs) or number and my memory for film is i think much worse than both of yours so i have this problem where they've all sort of gelled together into one penultimate flick starring <laughs> everyone that people will describe like have you ever seen this movie it's about the, you know these two guys doing a thing i'm like yeah 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 and then they clone the dinosaurs and they get loose and like no that's not it um i have yeah i it, it's it's bad they've all sort of baked down into one gross yep. film that i pick mm-hmm. at on the spatula and yeah. uh it's just there um, I did uh, after after uh, ECV, I sort of decompressed and just stopped watching film for a few years to yep. kind of like see if I could put some order to all the stuff <laughs> that I had just consumed like yeah. so quickly over the course of uh, working there. And uh, no, that never <laughs> that did not end well. <laughs> oh, uh, man. So uh, something I wanted to bring up and I can't because I was talking about how I've been talking about you know, watching the same things into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, I talked with somebody recently about the store and I told them like, yeah, we had a bunch of cool like movie props and it, it, they ran the gamut. Cause there was a lot of them that were from like legitimately great movies that were like few and far between and hard to spot. And then like you would have, like we had half of everything that ever appeared on screen in Flintstones, Viva Ross, Viva Rock Vegas um because that was just apparently jim must have bought the set in Mm -hmm. like as a as a package um and uh i didn't realize at the time that uh deborah kaplan and harry alfont had uh had written that movie they didn't direct it uh but kaplan and alfont uh also did um uh can't hardly wait and then their their uh, magnum opus, as it were, was the Josie and the Pussycats movie that was our first episode. Um, <laughs> so we have so, a connection, is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, we have this weird we have this weird connection between the like four million props from Viva Rock Vegas and the fact that uh, the people who worked on that movie uh, also made the thing that we talked about when we first started the show. Uh, which was a thing that I didn't realize until I was like looking up Viva Rock Vegas a while ago, uh, because we were talking about literally just because it came up as a ma- like part of the Emerald City video conversation. It's all that merchandise looking a, a little more nostalgic to you now. You know, it's funny. I would I would love like if if the Loperfitos still have some of those props, I would fucking love to buy just one or two of the things that we always had hanging in the store. Yeah. Um. Mostly, it wouldn't be a prop of the movie. It would be a prop of Emerald City. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. How much for that big sticky Arnold Schwarzenegger sixth day clone? Oh yeah. God. That, that thing. That thing. <laughs> they they couldn't possibly have sold that, right? They eventually had to just trash it because it was so covered in everything. I think yeah. eventually you just take it and hurl it against your ceiling, and then it stays <laughs> there forever. <laughs> oh man. But the the best part of that is thinking about like because you know they had money. Uh, they they weren't they weren't like ultra rich or anything, but they they had big parties and they had. Uh, so I can imagine them having like a nice dinner with like friends who have like class, and all of a sudden <laughs> this giant sticky clone just like drops from the ceiling after <laughs> having been there for three weeks, and just lands in the middle of the whole party and everybody's totally fucking confused. <laughs> oh man, oh that thing! Like, were you there when? They used to put it in the cooler because they just stopped buying drinks, or they realized it was Ew. just. Yeah, no, oh yeah. I wasn't there for that. Yeah, oh. they they put it in the cooler for for a while, and I can't remember if it was basically a punishment because they they knew we were we were basically buying them at cost or right. putting them on our account. Like they were turning no profit on yeah. them, or like I don't. Yeah, it was bad, and it's like. Oh, why? That's <laughs> disgusting. It really is. I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, for anybody who uh, didn't actually shop at Emerald City and is listening to this, uh, what we're talking about is there was a life-sized clone of, and as we say, you, you could pretty much put it together from what, from context, but the big key here is that it's life-sized. And it was like in the fetal position. And for a while, we had it like on the counter in a big plexiglass box. Uh, but I remember that one of the sides on the plexiglass, you could get in there pretty easily. So people yep. would poke it and people, everybody was like, oh, it's so gross. It's like sticky and spongy. And, but it, once you do that to something that's sticky and spongy and 10 years old, uh, it starts to like grab every piece of dirt and hair oh. and all the, like, it was fuzzy by the time, like yeah, I remember oh. moving it and yeah. I remember just like, it's fuzzy. Well, I think it's it was just fuzzy. I think it was contained on four sides, but, like, didn't have a lid on it. So yes. that anything, yes. like, floating around would, like, just anything that could possibly land in this giant plastic beaker would just <laughs> permanently <laughs> affix itself. So we had, you had little, like, roof ceiling scrapings and dust and just yep. particulate just sort of grew on this thing. And, and like you said, yeah, you could sort of lift up the bottom of one of the lips and sort of sneak your i mean i touched it everyone oh yeah everybody did you had to it was nasty but you had to do it honestly i didn't have any interest in touching it but a customer at one point wanted to and i was like well as long as it's open it's Uh, it's one of those things that just never occurred to me it's not that i didn't like it just never popped into my head until somebody else did and it's like oh yeah i should do that huh Imagine it's one of those sticky hands that comes out of, of the dispenser at a grocery store. Only yeah, it, it's like throw against the wall. Only it's it's a giant human shaped one, and, and it's uh, like probably sixty pounds. Yeah, because it, it had like it, obviously if it was one of those, just one of those, it wouldn't stay human shaped, which they needed for the film. So it had like a metal like skeleton in the middle of it. It's not even yeah. a full skeleton. I feel like it was just oh, no. like. Uh, the the general outline of a human form, but yeah, that was uh, that was something else. I'll say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. God, I, well, and Dan, it's really funny that Dan and I are doing this, the podcast because you and I were talking, I don't know, three or four days ago about how whenever the phone rings, you still your first instinct is Emerald City Video. How can I help you? And honestly. When I was working customer service in the job you and I both work at, it was a fight not to do that every day. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, oh wait, no, I don't work there anymore. I know I've done. I have done that at home, <laughs> uh, not very recently. But first of all, I did do it at home like long after Emerald City. Oh yeah. Uh, but when I was at Emerald City, especially when I was the manager and people were calling just all the damn time. Uh, you know, because you end up working all those day side shifts where people are calling about bills and people are calling about whatever. And it's just like, yeah, no, for a while it was just every time I picked up the phone, it was a conscious effort to not say Emerald City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's 
Well, in nowadays everything is like on vibrate or has. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's really the the ring. When you hear that mechanical, yeah. like an actual yep. bell ring associated with a phone, it's just a Pavlovian response to which response. which our audience hears every episode because uh, that's our. You guys, I know you guys don't listen to most of the shows. No. So, um, uh, ever since I think like episode five or six, our uh, the intro that I've chosen so that I didn't have to find a song that we could use for free mm-hmm. was. Uh, I took a creative, like a Creative Commons phone ring, and it, so it just rings. It goes ring, ring, ring. Hello, Emerald City Video. This is Russ. And then a clip from Clerks of that guy going, "Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year?" And me like sighing and hanging up, and then the show starts. Nice. Um, and so, uh, first of all, anybody who listens to the show uh, has just heard that for the second time this episode, <laughs> but uh, for you guys who don't generally listen to the show, like that's a thing that every single episode starts with me answering the phone that way. <laughs> so you're just reinforcing it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Awesome. Um, yeah, exactly. Continuing to continuing to do that, like years and years after there were any reason for me to have done it. It's like, no, now I listen to it every time I edit the episode. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right. Uh, last thing I guess I'll ask before we, uh, we get going is, uh, do you guys have, uh, in the spirit of like if you, the the little cards we used to have on the the new release wall, that if you like, try this. Um, do you guys have anything that you would say like, oh, if you liked Enter the Florpus, like you're gonna dig this thing? I uh, kind. Oh, go for it. Dan. No, you yeah. you go ahead. You go ahead. I um I kind of do. It's it's different, but it's also found on Netflix, and it's an episodic show, mm-hmm. and it's got just enough weirdness that I feel okay recommending it Mm -hmm. the there's a series on netflix in season two i believe just came out called enchantment or enchanted uh done by matt groening um has john dimaggio as one of the voices and it's it's fun it it has a lot of that world building um elements it's the simpsons style of animation so it's not i i honestly would say it's not as good as invader zim but it scratches that kind of like weird itch yeah that you're like huh this is different i mean funny thing is when i went on netflix uh you know 10 minutes ago to look and see if invaders in the series was there uh my ears got blown out by a like real-time ad for enchantment mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. i don't think that our audio would have picked that up so i don't think it'll be in the episode but if there was a thing that just shouted at you at random like 10 minutes ago that was enchantment there you go or Enchanted, I think. Or Enchant, yes, I think you're right. I haven't watched it yet. It's one of those things. I actually really like graining, and I like I want to sit down and do it, but anything that I don't watch for work is so hard. Like, you guys were talking about needing to, like, detox from watching too many movies when you were done at the video store, but I've chosen a an occupation where I just never get to detox at all. <laughs> and it's so, like, it really is, like, when I'm not working, I'm usually not watching anything. Or if I am, it's like something I've seen a hundred times that I like for background noise. Yep. Um, any, Dan, any, anything in that vein for you? Um, It's a real obvious answer, but I would probably recommend that you check out Rick and Morty. Yeah. Um, It's, it's really low hanging fruit there, but on the off chance that you've checked this out and you liked it and you know, you want more, um, yeah just banana pants yeah 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 it's 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 a very kind of samey not that's that sounds derogatory similar yeah sense of humor and delivery of the jokes but though i think that the animation quality in both invader zim as a whole and this movie in particular are are far better than what you'll see in rick and morty um there's a lot of overlap yes i I agree um the the thing that i would recommend and this is kind of a pointless recommendation in a lot of ways because i we did an episode on it a few weeks ago but uh uh velocipaster uh if you guys haven't seen velocipaster yet or heard the episode that zach and i did on it oh my god it's so good it's basically um the the premise of it is that a a catholic priest comes into contact with this ancient artifact and uh werewolf style he turns into a dinosaur at night and kills bad people um 
<clears throat> oh boy <laughs> it's already pretty insane uh but then imagine like you you hear that and you think it's going to be like a b like action movie yeah uh okay so imagine everything i just said is true but also it's less the howling and more wet hot american summer oh god like the sensibilities of the movie is just totally insane uh the the dinosaur you can watch the trailer and there's like a, a guy in a like a, a foam like off the rack dinosaur suit that's the dinosaur like the dinosaur at the core of your film the thing that the movie's named after looks like absolute garbage and it doesn't matter because it's so much fucking fun um it's 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 pretty great <clears throat> uh, i have to check yeah. that out mm-hmm. yeah and i do know uh unfortunately i haven't been able to find one uh they did make that available on VHS, uh, like at some convention. <laughs> of course. And I'm like, there's there's two VHS tapes that I've been looking for for a while that uh, I haven't been able to get my hands on. One of them is Velocipaster. The other one is uh, Paramount actually did a a press kit for Bumblebee, the Transformers movie that came out last year, mm-hmm. where they sent out physical vhs screeners and old like eight by ten color glossy photos in the style that they used to send out with press kits in the 80s and 90s Uh, just like to go with the 80s shtick it was part of the home video release so they weren't they weren't rolling the dice on somebody like releasing that when it was still in theaters but uh because of the fact that i work in the entertainment industry i have a bunch of friends who got those and I didn't because the one that they sent to comic book, they sent to the like home office and somebody else got it. And it's like, I'm like, ah, oh, I really, because of my like weird fucking, like you guys don't even know my, my, the, the collection I have of like video store nonsense. Uh, it used to be that I had like a blockbuster coffee cup and one or two other things that I thought were cute. Uh, but this has become like between some of our listeners giving me stuff and then me being like, this stuff is hilariously cheap. Every paycheck, I can get some dopey thing to add to my collection for under twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, I have a lot of really like it's 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 a problem now. I have so much like random video store shit. Uh, actually, I uh, I picked up back when uh, about a year and a half ago, CBS bought the company that I work for, and the week that they purchased us officially. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk about it yet because, like, the, the Viacom merger was still going on and uh, CBS wanted to be able to announce things on their own. Like, right. Uh, so, like, we, we couldn't talk about it, but it happened. And I had purchased uh, a while before that a Hot Picks VHS, which was – you used to be able to rent them for free uh, at Blockbuster. And they were Blockbuster-specific, but it was basically the trailer reel – that you would that like that you would put on in the store that would always be rolling on the TV every half an hour, uh, but it was pre DVD. So instead of having a trailer reel that ran every half an hour, you could literally take it home. And so this one in particular was, uh, and this is coincidence. I didn't do it on purpose, but it was the week that David Letterman left NBC and was starting his CBS show. Oh. And so they had like an NBC news personality emceeing the blockbuster trailer reel and talking about David Letterman every time a trailer ended. Hmm. And, and so I digitized that and put it on YouTube and I like released it at, on YouTube at the exact moment that like we were being officially purchased by CBS. And I'm just like, this is the closest thing I can say I can do to telling the world what's going on. And it, it's only funny to me, but it's funny to me. Uh, so, uh, any, any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we, uh, wrap up for the evening? No, I'm, I, I think I've said it all I said. I mean, if you're a fan of Invader Zim, this is a good starting point and mm-hmm. then go to Hulu and watch the rest of the series. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like I, I would comparing it back to my memories of the franchise. Like this is probably the most kid-friendly iteration of it mm-hmm. as well in terms yeah, of like yeah. humor. There were, I noticed far less sort of the like uh, society is 
is going to you know ruin everything and like yeah. people are sheep moment jabs yeah. in this one and so. there was also probably a lot less uh like body horror because like in in the tv show you'll remember like there was a lot of like really kind of grotesque My yes yeah and and so, but even beyond like it was also just a show where like part of the visual aesthetic that stuck out is the fact that everybody in the show was ugly and everybody in this was ugly in the Zim way, but they didn't like there wasn't anything that I can remember where they went out of their way to be like, oh, no, here's like a group of truly offensive looking humans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, you're you're probably right. It's probably the closest thing you're going to get to like a family friendly version, which ironically is the only one that didn't air on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Well, how uh, about uh, how about you, uh, Russ? Uh, no, just same as ever for me. I mean, uh, people people who listen to the show know where where to find the show on social media. But it's uh, you can you can like Emerald City Video Podcast on Facebook, or you can go to ECV underscore Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I don't think I've actually put anything on Instagram since Comic Con, but you can still go there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, free country. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, can uh, I? Uh... Ooh, yeah, sorry. absolutely. Yes, if you've got pluggables to plug, this is this is the, the the good place to do it. Well, I'll let you, you know, if you have more to, to play. No, no, not at all. I don't plug my own stuff anymore because, like, I, I, I'm here every episode. I'm, like, basically the default host, and then we swap out around me. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's listening, they know how to find me. <laughs> uh, I do have uh, a relatively new program I've been doing, another podcast with Ooh. two other friends, uh, Doug and Zach. Uh, where we talk about different traditional role-playing game systems, like your Dungeons and Dragons and things like that, and we just kind of talk through them and build characters mm-hmm. for them that are uh, run the gamut from like super villain wrestlers to a cult of uh, Cthulhu worshippers. Yeah, rises. that was great. We actually got the the. Um, Oh, now I'm just patting myself on the back. But we, we did get the guy who designed that system to listen to that episode, and he liked nice. it. So, haha. Um, you can find us. We're, we're at Building Car, uh, Building C H A R on Twitter, uh, which will link back to our SoundCloud, and you can check us out there if that sounds like something that you might be interested in checking. Why is it Building Car? Uh, we don't have enough characters on Twitter for at Building Character. Yes, you didn't plug the name. Well, he did say character afterward. He just did, True. He didn't put it together. Uh, um, the only reason I bring it up is I, I've actually been listening to that podcast, and as a fan of RPGs, it is a lot of fun, especially if you don't have time to play the system or shop around for an RPG. It's a great way to understand a system without actually delving into it to see if it's something you want to do. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I just uh, I just followed it from... Russ Berling game, and we'll follow it from Emerald City Video uh, in, in, when I can. But uh, we only had four followers on yeah, yeah. on Twitter before now, so yeah, real we really really in there. All right, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, be be back here by noon on the fifth day for more from Emerald City Video, and always remember to rewind your cassettes. And that cool. is our outro. Cool. Right. A B E N.